Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Hi, Pernal. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Anna. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so so let me let me just share with everybody uh, what Pearl uh, does. Pearl is currently the director of technical domains and university relations, responsible for Schlumberger's strategic development of the global technical community and university collaboration. So this is a big responsibility for a global company. Yes, I'm I'm so honored and privileged to be able to be in this role, to be able to touch so many people at um, now as Schlumberger has rebranded SLB. And we've got a lot of technical folks that uh, I run our corporate programs for, for their recognition, development, and strategic directions that we have for this group. Great. So, Pearl, you and I had a chance to meet at a, a Women in Tech conference, which was a lot of fun. We could talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to start off with is that I've noticed that SL- SLB has recently rebranded. So can you share the reasons why and what your organization was targeting as a key outcome for this new brand? Because that's a big step for any company to kind of go through that. It was a big splash. There was a lot of work that went behind it. And in fact, um, I wasn't a part of the actual rebranding definition, but as a an employee and um, a part of our SLB leadership, it's just been great, the change, because uh, Schlumberger was known heavily, of course, um, as an oil field services organization. We did, we are the top, the biggest uh, service company for companies like ExxonMobil and BP and Shell. Those are our customers. And of course, with the uh, importance of the energy and transition and decarbonization. Um, we actually have a lot of competencies and skills yet that can be applied, um, not just for oil and gas, but uh, beyond. So the rebranding, what's great about it, it's, it's um, the short words around it is that SLB is a global technology company who are, is driving energy innovation for a ba- balanced planet. And what's great about this new brand is us being a global technology company is who we were in the past, too. It's not a big change of our identity. It's a maybe a change um, externally of how uh, we are seen in our identity. But in reality, we've been that for 90 years, um, close to 100 years, driving technology for different energy needs. And, you know, in the past, it was heavily focused on oil and gas. We will still continue to do that, but uh, the strategy is really uh, around driving energy innovation to accelerate the energy transition, transition, which is exactly what we need for our planet. So I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's very uh, timely, but it's also very accurate of who we are. We're not trying, changing, trying to change who we are. And see, and what I think is fantastic about that is because it highlights a couple of things. One, the fact that you know technology is such a huge component to um, 
any organization out there. But a lot of times technology is almost treated as if it was a utility and kind of like, you know, like back office operation. Right. But meanwhile, it's like the lifeline, the bloodline of a company. And that's exactly what SLB has done, which is fantastic. I also love the connection of having a balanced planet. That's such a powerful statement to, you know, to be able to say something like that. It really is. No, um, it's been, the reaction has been fantastic. It happened uh, late last year, uh, the rebranding announcement, let's say, to the market. But at the same time, it was an announcement to our employees and the reactions internally have been fantastic because, again, it feels correct. It feels like we're not trying to change our identity of what we do. However, we are driving cultural changes towards the focus and the priorities on the energy transition, the decarbonization, the things that we need for our future um, with respect to the balanced planet. So it's really been great both externally and internally for for attracting and uh, retaining talent, let's say. And that's the key, right? Because if you think about it, a lot of times the association, and I'm not sure why, but the association with oil and gas is always viewed as, oh, it's, you know, it's volatile. It's not, you know, it's, um, it's a dirty business, right? Like, you know, we, to be aligned with something like that. Right. But the reality of the situation is it's quite the opposite. You want to be able to kind of flip the switch somewhat and, Focus on the technology components so that you can, you know, attract attract uh, talent. Let me ask: In your role as the director of um, technical domains and university relations, what is your key focus, and why is the SLB rebranding so important? It's a. I have a super small corporate team. I'm not in charge of recruiting or talent acquisition. However, the corporate programs that I design and uh, run and operate and adapt are focused on the 15,000 technical profiles that we have in the organization. Um, I run community programs that have the technical communities engage and thrive on um, technical topics that they're interested in. I run the recognition and rewards programs for the, our technical career ladder and also help guide and be a part of the uh, leadership discussions, let's just say, on development directions. Like what types of technical uh, profiles do we want in the future? How do we want to develop the ones that we still have in our organization with all their history and experience? And how are they going to continue to grow uh, to bring value to the organization going forward? as well as how do we attract the ones that we want and, and maybe missing competencies that we have. So it's a great role to look system-wide across our organization, um, as well as uh, making sure that we're focusing on the power of our diversity. Previously, even known as Schlumberger, that was one of our most powerful elements is that we uh, hire globally. We hire everywhere we work. We work in, you know, I don't know, 80 or 90 uh, countries. We have tons of nationalities. And it's always been a power of our organization being so diverse and so global. So um, leveraging the power by our diversity, we're heavily focused on our culture going forward of inclusion. So this is in our technical community is a big focus 
around my role as well these past few years. So now, what are some of the challenges that the organization faces when implementing DEI initiatives? You kind of were talking about the importance of DEI in the talent acquisition and also the development component. Even in the recruiting component, uh, we've always had great focus on our diversity initiatives in the past, so with past 80 years. Um, I think our focus on nationality diversity came up maybe 50 years ago, and it just exploded. And we hired in all countries that we work, and not all companies in our industry do that. And so it's it's one of our competitive advantages of having so many different cultures. Um, and we feel the pros and cons of that. There's always difficulty sometimes in being able to collaborate when you have different perspectives and different cultures. Um, we've also focused on gender balance over the past 20 plus years. And I think this is somewhere we still see we have room to grow. And this is where Anna, you and I met at this Women in Tech. It was so fantastic because as we look at the number of women coming up through universities, getting their degrees in STEM, it's still not at equity at all. We, you know, many studies have shown it starts as early as elementary or middle school in, in terms of interesting girls to want to study in these in these technical degrees. So when I've been looking at DEI initiatives, um, focused specifically on women, um, the culture of the organization is so important. Let's just, I remember this comment from um, a, a colleague of mine who is really in our DEI leadership. And she said once, you know, we really want to make sure that we're driving change through understanding rather than through KPOs or objectives instead of metrics. Um, of course, you want to watch your metrics, but you don't want to drive behaviors just on numbers. And uh, so the past, I would say the past three to five years, we've been focused more on culture, on leadership, and how we're adapting individuals' behaviors to become advocates and allies for all people who are potentially different or underrepresented in, in the organization's culture. So I love that. It's really being cautious about metrics and seeing how really culturally and uh, dialogue and true behaviors are driving inclusion in, in your organization. And that's such, um, I think that's such a great takeaway for the audience talking about, you know, like the power of metrics and how it can actually work work against you in certain situations. I had I had a gentleman once uh, say to me, um, and God, if he only knew how often I quote him, because he said, Anna, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to get to like 50-50, you know, equal balance? You know, wh why um, this obsession with having uh, this equality? What, what if women are just not interested in, you know, being in tech? And, and, you know, my response to that was always, well, no, it's like we're trying to create an equal playing field, right? So it's not, you know, it, because you see students graduating and you see that there's an interest in STEM, uh, those numbers are starting to go up, but it doesn't translate into the workforce. And why is that? So what can we do that can create 
that inclusive environment that wants people to of 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 a diverse background want to stay exactly. in that field, right? And that's the challenge. Yes, that is the challenge. And you know, I was I've been with SLB Schlumberger before for over thirty years, so I feel like I've gone through cycles of what that feels like in different you know decades. I would say, and um. This word of inclusion is fairly new. People haven't been talking about inclusion all that long. We've been talking more about diversity and the power of diversity and that that we want to have diverse teams. But in fact, having diverse teams that maybe still don't feel included is not as powerful as really having individuals and everyone feeling like their voice is being heard. And, And what's great about our um, new brand focused on energy innovation is that there's tons of data out there that shows that diverse teams drive better solutions, more innovation solutions. That's true for technology. That's true for many different types of industries. So leveraging the power of our our diversity, I think is going to be a step function change as we drive this more inclusive behavior. And, um, I remember listening to this other podcast. It was one of the most um, eye-opening thing. And it was at the end of the conversation, the woman who was presenting said, you know, it's really easy to celebrate, to reward, to highlight, to give recognition to someone who is saying something that you would have said yourself. Oh, I agree to that. I might, um, you know, I would have said exactly that. That is a great idea. So, a little small change in individuals and leadership and little tip is why don't you celebrate or recognize or highlight or or um, um, reward someone who said something that you would have never thought of saying, oh, my gosh, I would have never thought of that. That is a great idea. That's really drawing in the power of the different perspectives and how people can add to the solution and make it even better rather than just having like-minded people all say the same thing. And that will also encourage, I think, you know, it'll encourage maybe for somebody who's a little bit shy at the table to speak up because they see that whatever information is being, you know, thrown out there, that it's received in a positive light. Right. So that makes it, it it definitely makes it more encouraging and more inclusive, which is, which is the key. Another component, uh, Pearl, and I don't know if you've heard, you know, adding belonging to that, like your DI and belonging. And so what do you what do you think about that? Because I think belonging is kind of an interesting twist, right? It's it's like you personally, how you feel that you belong to the group as opposed to inclusion is where the company is trying to include you. Yes, I I love this word belonging. In fact, I was just talking about it at one of the uh, meetings that where we had met the organization Um uh, it's for the Houston, Greater Houston Women's Chamber. And, um, you know, the sense of belonging is different from just fitting in. You hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm trying to fit in and I'm trying to act like the company expects me to act. And I'm putting on this, you know, persona uh, that I think my uh, peers and leadership want to hear versus just being who I am. And authenticity is really often linked to authenticity as well. 
So um, the sense of belonging is where you're like, I don't have to change who I am to feel like I fit in. That that was this kind of um, statement that I remember hearing. And as a Chinese-American girl growing up in suburbs of Houston, which was primarily white, and then moving to places like France, which um, in the organization that I was working for, weren't too thrilled to have Americans join the French <laughs> culture there. And then at one point moving to Malaysia, and I was um, often seen as my French husband's local Malaysian girlfriend rather than the professional person coming from America or um, my background as a mechanical engineer, I was realizing not that long ago that I've never been in the majority of any organization or any place, even as a, as a student in mechanical engineering, I was always seen as, oh, just the few percent of women. And this sense of belonging is, um, is foreign to me, let's say. I think I've always had to adapt to try to fit in to be able to succeed. And lately, now that I'm older and um, have lived many more years than I did before, I'm starting to really realize being my authentic self is the best for me and finding space where I really do feel like I belong without having to change who I am has, has been wonderful. It's been um it's been a great experience. So finding spots like this is really based on the culture of the people around you. It's hard to define. Right. It's really hard to define. I can so relate, uh, a Pearl, to what you're describing because I, I grew up on the Lower East Side of New York, uh, immigrant parents, I'm first generation in this country, Italian immigrants. Mm. And I grew up in a neighborhood that was... Uh, we had, you know, Asian people, African-American people, Hispanic people. I mean, we had people from all over the world. And so I went to NYU and I, you know, then started working. I never understood diversity, right? Like to me, that was the norm, right? Because that's how we grew up. And being like one of two students that graduated in computer science and mathematics, I was like, okay, like it didn't, it didn't click with me like you're different or you don't belong. Right. I, I, it's like you had to adapt to whatever was happening around you, which is always right. like fascinating. It is. That, that becomes your norm. Exactly. Exactly. Our norm of becoming adaptable, it's a great skill, but you don't realize that you're adapting because you don't actually feel like you belong or you don't fit in you're 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 changing a bit you're a chameleon to succeed in the environment that you're in and um maybe we should be pushing ourselves to not have people be chameleons and just try to be open to and it's hard because sometimes you don't understand the perspective of the other person or the cultural background that's making them behave in a way that you're not you're not um, used to, and maybe it causes discomfort, but having that open mind saying, okay, where are they coming from? What is their intent, et cetera, et cetera. It's really a, a very intentional self-awareness skill to, to develop. And uh, what I love about SLB is that we're pushing that open-mindedness skill um, dialogue 
with our leadership, which with time, the intent is to have it trickle down, you know, through the management, because we are trying to make culture changes with the brand. It's not just saying, okay, we have this new pretty logo and we are saying that we're driving intermittent. It's linked to culture change as well in a very positive direction with inspirational goals for our culture, which, like I said, has is falling quite well uh, internally on the employee ears. So I'm excited about it, well, being a part of that. Yeah, yeah. So, so this kind of brings us to our last question. How can organizations create a more inclusive and equitable environment? You know, all of these things I was talking about, I'm, I'm learning from being with SLB and being open-minded and discussing. I really think it's one of the greatest things. Well, you have to get leadership engaged. You have to get your leadership. It comes from the top. Unfortunately, we feel like, you know, you want things to bubble up, bottoms up, and to in, you have to have both sides coming. But without leadership driving a cultural change, um, I don't I don't think it's possible. So seeding advocates and allies who really get it. Everyone it's, um, is on a continuum. I've heard of this word, the advocacy continuum of becoming more and more aware of understanding. You know, me as a Chinese-American woman growing up in the U.S. and Texas, I have no idea what it's like to be an African-American man, you know, from wherever they are. Realizing that you have no clue what it's like to be that other person can really drive open-mindedness and not apply your own biases, principles, experience on others. So um, having more discussions, having more people be curious. I remember having a conversation with um, a woman, a mom who has um, a 12-year-old uh, a child who had a serious, you know, uh, birth defect, and she's going to have to take care of him for his entire life. Um, often we don't learn that stuff about people around us and so being curious and asking questions to see what it's like to be that other person i think is a great first step something super small saying be curious and see what it's like for you have a colleague who's in a wheelchair what what is it you know what challenges do they have and how can you support them um how can you support another woman in the organization or somebody who is struggling in the organization. Um, there's generational biases, you know, if they're older or younger, implication stereotypes, et cetera. So there's so many lenses that's just asking questions and being curious and having leadership support for cultural inclusion, I think are two huge uh, factors to focus on. Well, Pearl, thank you so much. This has been uh, fantastic. I, I enjoyed our conversation. If you were going to leave the audience with a power word, what word would you leave them with? I think for the broad audience, it would be it would be self-awareness. Understanding how you're thinking, what what you're thinking, what's influencing what you're thinking, what's influencing what you're feeling. You know, it's a lot around EQ, but I think the first step is self-awareness and being brutally objective about yourself, um, both positive and negative, and keeping that as calibrated as possible so you can interact with others around you in the most authentic way that you can. Excellent, thank you so much, Pearl. Thank you, Anna, great to be here. 
Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.